You're listening to an Irreverent Podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends. Hi, friends. Sarah here with a brief disclaimer. You are listening to a podcast about making space for other people as well as for yourself, which may mean that you're going to hear language and ideas and thoughts, not just about life, but about faith that are different than your own. My hope is that you will listen to this podcast with an attitude of space making, being able to hear things that are different from what you may interpret the world to be. It also may be different than how the hosts feel about the world. But again, we are working together to make a little bit more space for each other. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Well, welcome to another episode of Making Spaces. I'm one of the hosts, Sarah, and this is... The other host, Josie. This is a podcast about making space, both literally and figuratively, for yourself and others. Josie, how the heck are you? Um... I know the viewers can't see this portion because we don't post the recording video because we never looked all that great. Um, Which should also explain why we introduce ourselves twice. Someone asked me the question. The reason being is that on YouTube, uh, we only post the second portion. So plus we just don't want you to forget us. Yeah. So you can't see what's happening, which is Mm -hmm. good because I just finished working out, but I feel like you're about to address all the boxes behind you. Yeah. My apartment is a shit show. We're moving next week to be Sarah's neighbors. (laughs) into the cutest place it's so cute yeah and um our life is a mess an organized chaos that just does it feel kind of good are you a purger to move no i mean because as an artist as a creative a lot of the shit i have is like i have a ton of yarn that i can't that i need i think i need anyways i have all my jewelry supplies i have it's all stuff that aren't, I don't have a lot of like knickknacks. Maybe we should know. go into buying like one of those plastic sheds and put it behind oh, our places get one. Yeah. to put all of our craft supplies. Cause I have all my yeah. paints, my brushes, my, you know, Way every you, girl, there'll be a shed for us. Don't worry. There will be a shed for us. <laughs> so moving stressful, everything else. I mean, that kind of just takes everything, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm doing not very much else other than packing up fucking boxes. Uh, Thanks, Home Depot. But you are really glad to be getting out because kind of had some tough times with your apartment, as we talked about before. So it is exciting to be moving mm-hmm. into a different place. And we got to meet the people that were working on your place. And it has been oh, yeah, cute. Oh, my gosh. They sing every day. So they're loving it. Yeah. And I mean, outside of all the feelings that come up with moving, um, I'm feeling good about move into a bigger place a nicer place i deserve it yeah you do (laughs) um i'm glad to hear that you're excited about it it'll be good um how the heck are you sarah you know i have been doing a lot of work this week on um actually figuring out how to uh, deal with my adhd brain when it comes to high stress so getting ready to transition has brought about a lot of um, anxiety for me and anxiousness with folks who have ADHD is really a difficult thing. So one of the reasons I look the way I do is that I just read this book about how it's called, well, I didn't read the book. Okay. Here's a true confession. (laughs) I listened to a podcast where someone talked about the book. Um, but it's called spark. And it talks about how people with ADHD have to work out in order to get the same dopamine that other people get, um, in order to be able to like move forward with things. So, It's been like one of those weeks where like yesterday I did kind of the bare minimum and had so much guilt and shame around it. Um, I had meetings at night with uh, two groups, one our our IMG group, our irreverent media group, but I also had another meeting for a group of female entrepreneurs that I'm in. And I just shared with them that I like got three things off my list to do yesterday done. And other than that, I just kind of was chaotic. And so just sort of trying to figure out how to slow myself down as I start to prepare to, um, in July, I'll be living in Oregon for two months and kind of stepping back from everything that I possibly can to try to get my brain a little bit more settled into what I want to do next. Cause I'm having trouble sort of reading my own mind, which is strange. So yay. Yay. Changes both of us. Yay. Yay. I guess, but I'm really excited <laughs> about our reverent media group, especially after a meeting last night and all we got going on and the fact that we have, um, we have one of our own on today's podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
Blake Chastain, who is the, uh, what we come, we come like the founder creator. Yeah. I'm willing to give Blake all the credit for everything. I really (laughs) actually for everything. He's incredible. He started the evangelical movement. Um, he didn't start Mm -hmm. the movement per se, but he started the naming of it. And, um, as a, he runs the evangelical podcast. He also, um, has a podcast called powers and principalities. He's also just like phenomenal at gathering people and, um, it is his story that you're about to hear, I think will be really relatable for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but also kind of a sense of hope of how to like, even when everything is changing, he just continues to um, kind of expand the table for more and more people, which I know sometimes gets like overused, but when he uses it, doesn't feel the same. I don't know. doesn't make it sound like you have to come to my table, but more let's like sit down and talk about same, you know, the things we have in common and the differences we have. So Yeah, I like to think of Blake as the person who owns a meeting hall and he tells you you can bring your own table. That's, oh, I like that. Yeah. Wow. Look at this. The artist brain just keeps going. The artist brain. (laughs) Um, Yes, Blake is great. Uh, Sorry to all of our friends who are not ex-evangelicals or who have no relation to religion at all. Um, Still a great episode to listen to about, you know, making space for, yeah, and shifting. And making space for, I mean, if you're Jewish, making space for different beliefs in the Jewish faith, Islamic faith, for all faiths, right? It's a good little snippet of change. I love it. Well, enjoy and um, enjoy our conversation. Now, over the last several years, through things like like um exvan- like evangelical even things uh, like church too uh, mm-hmm. and um more recently leave loud that uh the witness is doing about um the experience of black people in in predominantly white evangelical spaces like all of these things are being able to say those things out loud and say these things these things happened and it's not I'm, you're not crazy, like you all those things. Okay. It's, and it's <laughs> it's establishing this sort of foundation of, of information that's available to people that those power structures can't control, you know? They can't control the narrative anymore. And it allows people to explore it and, and find that validation that they might need. Hi friends, welcome to another episode of the Making Spaces podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sarah, and this is the other co-host, Josie. And we are excited today to introduce, well, probably a lot of you know who he is already, but to introduce to you, um, our listeners, Blake Chastain, who is the, I'm going to call him the founder, the creator, the beginning of ex-evangelical. Um, I, uh, the hashtag, but also just sort of people understanding what an ex-evangelical is. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, also hosts a podcast by the same name, ex-evangelical, and also has a podcast called Powers and Principalities that talks about um, politics and religion. So a way to really like ostracize your family um, during the holidays. <laughs> My this is, favorite. Which is Josie's <laughs> absolute favorite hobby. So Blake, <laughs> you are also one of our friends. So we're so excited to have you on here today because you're also part of, um, and actually the the founder of that, you found things, um, Irreverent Media <laughs> Group. And so we're glad to have you here. The opening question we always ask is, where is one of your favorite spaces and why? Thank you for that uh, wonderful, very kind interview. I'm sorry, interview, introduction, Sarah. Um, one of my favorite spaces, actually, uh, we, we just moved within the last year, like a lot of people did during the, during the pandemic. And um, there are a couple of spaces just in my, in my house that I, that I really uh, love. Um, we um, have like a, a fireplace that has been really nice to be able to get up early and read by. Uh, mm. And then we also have like a sort of this, this sunroom, some places call it like a California room or no, I'm sorry, a Florida room. Uh, one of those. I prefer Anyways. a California room actually better <laughs> than a Florida room. 100%. <laughs> so, um, but anyways, of those two rooms, they're just really wonderful places to, uh, to just feel comfortable and, and relax. And, and we're already, uh, we haven't 
we haven't lived here very long, but we're already making memories. And that's, uh, those are some of my favorite places. Yeah. (laughs) And you're, um, how many kids do you have? I just have one, one daughter. Okay. So are you getting up before your daughter? You said you get up early to read. I, um, I'm trying to understand that. Well, just for that, I mean, I don't know about other, other folks, but with everything that we've all gone through, um, in the last year, like I would wake up earlier, uh, just, I don't know why I just, just ended up waking up early and, uh, cause I am not a morning person, um, historically, um, but yeah, I would get up a little before my, my daughter uh, and just enjoy a little bit of quiet time. So, <laughs> <laughs> At quiet time used to mean one thing back in the day. It did. Now it it did. means yeah. something entirely different. I remember yeah. when I was in college and Christian boys would ask you if you wanted to do a devotional with them or oh, go for quiet nice. time. We all knew what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> no? I've never had that happen to me. Honey, yeah, it was a thing. Like it was a thing back in the day. It was back in the day. This like yeah. everyone should have a quiet time. You were you never told to have a quiet time? Um, I don't know. I feel like most people generally don't tell me to be quiet. Mm. <laughs> Even as a youth group kid, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always been a yeah. little aggressive. <laughs> Those devotional times, quiet mm-hmm. time with the Lord. Quiet yeah. time with the Lord. Uh, yeah, I remember just, yeah. I tried so earnestly. I found my journals from my quiet time with God. And um, I tried, guys. Yeah. It was not I, my I, gift. I worked at a Christian bookstore. That was my, like, my high school wow. job. What? That was my high school part-time job. And so I had a, a whole bunch of those journals. Do you remember, like, the the ones that, were really popular you know like 10 or 20 years ago with like the the spirals like with the double spirals that Mm -hmm. um the yeah I have several of those with a lot of religiously inflected teen angst (laughs) yes same same I um you know (laughs) and some of them look a little bit like there was like definitely a season when I would have called them almost like a Christmas wish list, but like a life mm. wish list. Like here's <laughs> here's my prayers, but like also thank you, and also I am not worthy. So I <laughs> I have to Almost. ask a question that I love to ask everyone who um who had anything to do with Christian bookstores. What was the worst pun T-shirt you ever saw? Oh, I mean, our funny enough, like I, I like we only had a handful of shirts. Okay. Um, my Yours was the, the more owner, serious Christian bookstore. Yeah, so I, it was like a this like a local maybe Midwestern franchise called Lemstone. Uh, it wasn't as popular as like Lifeway or Family Christian stores, um, and the owner of that of our location invested way too much in like Kincaid prints. <laughs> oh <laughs> so like God! The front, the front third of our store was like Kincaid Prince and uh, if you don't know who Thomas weird... Kincaid is he is the master of light yes um... yeah. <laughs> have you ever the... looked up his biography like I like no. he was a crazy yeah. he was yeah. nuts like he well, just... I learned about him in art school and all they said <laughs> was that this guy found out that inject in inkjet printers existed and then art sucked from then on <laughs> <laughs> there was like a paragraph in your art book like thomas kinkade thomas kinkade ruined art <laughs> yeah i do right. I, I do love that some older folks whose homes as a pastor i've gone in to visit they'll be like oh, you do art i want to show you this piece of art i have and it, it will always be a thomas kinkade you know they're nice <laughs> They're bring the nature, I guess, inside. Are they nice? Okay. Uh, I mean, they're like hotel (laughs) nice, I guess. Anyway, down the thing. So you didn't have the t-shirts that I was hoping for. Yeah, we only had a handful. It was like, um, there were just a few in the back and then and then just the front first front third of the store was all Kincaid prints. And then what? What's the like a handful of precious moments things and oh then God. you the know the wood, wooden yes. the wooden ones with no we faces were just talking about that yesterday what were they called they were like walnut something yeah and you would they there were, were like one where holding a baby and those were like a like a yeah not a I'm not yeah. a I'm not a well my place looks like I, I don't like like kitschy things like I I like mm-hmm. some but I'm not like a knickknack person but people mm-hmm. would always like get me those and it, it was so kind. And then I would hold on to them just because I felt like 
a little bit of right guilt. Don't know what to do with gifts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. No that offense don't, to don't everybody else. <laughs> no offense to everybody else who liked those things, but I lived in a home where my mother was very bougie, and she's kind of like Sarah. She's like, "This is not. This is mm. not bougie. No. This is not I ended up putting them out at Christmas. I do a little like I would have like a like a like nativity scenes, but they're from mm. all over the world, and I put out the ones That's cute. That's cute. that were women, like you know, Marys, different Marys, and so those are what I did with them. But I, in general, don't. Yeah don't love that but I there was a Christian bookstore in my so I moved from Canada to Mississippi and in our mall in Mississippi there was this Christian bookstore that just I think their main goal was like can we find the worst pun like lifesaver and it was like you know (laughs) yeah uh and then there was like uh oh gosh they were Jesus saves and there was like a goaltender that was Jesus (laughs) and like all these like terrible things. And I, I just remember being like, this can't be it. (laughs) Like I, I didn't necessarily have a total hold on cool, but I was pretty sure that wasn't it. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, that was, I definitely, I definitely had friends who wore them. Um, Right. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'm, um, Another weird chapter of my life was uh, I did spend a short period of time working at the many years later working at the Lifeway bookstore uh, on Moody's campus. Um, <laughs> oh, this is so. I mean, fun. I mostly worked. I mostly worked in the in the back office, um, doing like restocking and receiving and and things like that. But they had some shirts, and there was one that I remember was like a Reese's something. Yes. Uh, Sad, oh, but I can't remember it? what it I can't remember it was it was really bad but I can only see I can't remember the saying that went with it Jesus pieces I don't know I know I, I think it's <laughs> worse I feel like it's worse than the work you just did there to create that slogan <laughs> so all of this is the background Good. in which you grew up right so explain a little bit how you got to ex-evangelical and then it has really caught on as this huge movement I mean I look at even Facebook and the support mm-hmm. people are giving each other the space they're making for each other as they, you know, we use the term deconstruct or reconstruct or, you know, whatever this, right. I, I call it a faith shift. I think that's mm-hmm. a helpful language. Um, kind of, can you explain a little bit how you <laughs> became the father of this? <laughs> the father, the father. Well, I mean, that, I, I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I do think that, it, you know, it, this sort of stuff is actually an extension of what a lot of people have been doing for a long time I don't know mm-hmm. there uh I don't know if either of you ever listened to Caveman's Call back in the day oh um, did I listen to Caveman's Call yeah <laughs> like I I always I've been lately using the term like uh Long Line of Weavers which was one of their yeah um, which is one of their albums actually and mm-hmm. uh anyways I think of that I think of what we've seen over the last five years uh, and even going back a few years before that um, as an extension of people leaving these types of traditions, uh, you know, if you go back to um, the immersion church movement and things like right. that, they were sort of trying to critique a lot of these same things. Um, mm-hmm. But back to m- just my story, uh, I grew up in small town, Indiana, um, went to a United Methodist uh, church there. Um, and I know that you're also a part of the UM tradition. <laughs> um, so like, I actually didn't have a uh, like I didn't have like a really strong sort of complementarian inflection of a lot of my understanding of things, at least not, uh, at least not within my my direct church experience. When I would go and visit uh, some of my relatives' churches in Southern Indiana, I would I would see that more on display. Uh, but I never really had any concern about things like women being legitimate leaders in in church spaces. Um, and I actually had really positive experiences, uh, through that part of my life and through that church community and really was formative in really positive ways. Um, during high school, my family moved to the suburbs of Chicago, uh, and just sort of by happenstance, it wasn't planned or intended. We did end up going to another United Methodist church, um, in the area, uh, but, 
the youth group that I got involved in was very evangelically influenced. And I mean, United Methodism and Wesleyanism, like if if you want to get like super church history nerdy about it, like they are part of the evangelical tradition. Which I tradition. usually do. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. In which Jones I mean, is like, no thanks. If, it's, if, that, if that's not not this, I, I can skip over all that. But I mean, they are part of the broader evangelical yep. tradition, even yep. though. Holiness movement. Yep, exactly. Uh, so that whole part, they, they are there, but they're not. Methodists in particular aren't always thought of. They're thought of as mainline. Right. Um, but, and I don't know, Sarah, I usually don't talk to other people who know the UM tradition personally uh, very often. But the way I think about the United Methodist tradition is that uh, because it has historically been so like large or present in so many places, yeah. it sort of like takes on the local flavor. Like if you go to small town, Indiana, UM church, right. it might be conservative, but if you go to the one in downtown Chicago to the Methodist temple, they're gonna, there's going to be a rainbow flag. And it's yeah, be I think it's the, it's part of being a congregational. So the idea is like each congregation um, sets the flavor and the tone, which is this beautiful idea of contextualization, but it gets us to where we are right now, where even yesterday, our bishop, who is incredibly affirming, was protested by the Korean caucus here uh, while trying mm. to do an ordination service. So you, Jeez. right, united, not so much, right? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Methodical, sure. United, <laughs> not so much. And yeah. so yeah. there is this really interesting thing that we've come to where we're trying to figure out identity and I think the mm. the idea of um, you're going to take on the local flavor, which is like a lovely idea, right? Until you try to do something together as a united body and right. um, people take their flavor as the, as the recipe. Um, yeah. And that's kind of yeah. been the, and it's interesting because the middle of the road folks are actually our mega, our mega Methodist churches, which there actually are. It's hard to explain that here on the West coast where Methodist churches tend to be the smaller um, whenever mm -hmm. I tell our folks, like, you know, we're the largest denomination, it confuses them so much like what, <laughs> um, but we are the yeah. largest, not largest mainline denomination. Um, mm -hmm. but we look so different in so many different places. And so right. our like mega Methodist churches have like 60,000 members. They're huge. But the interesting thing about them is that they are, uh, like moderate, if not leaning progressive, which I think is super fascinating for people who have only ever experienced mega churches being, um, well, if they're honest, being conservative. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I like the larger, the larger churches in, in my area and the, where I went to youth group, like, uh, they were sort of more progressive, but they also didn't, well, I would say they were probably more moderate at the time, mm -hmm. um, but they also didn't necessarily look like Willow Creek, which is also right. in the area where it's like a massive freaking stadium. I mean, they still had thousands of people, but it was more like a large church. I don't know. It's anyways, this is, <laughs> this I had to has go become, to a, it's okay. UM. <laughs> I know it really has, you know, the funny thing is though, it's like our backgrounds is what leads us to um, observe things, I think. And so right. it's, it's good to hear that you in high school joined a, a youth group that was more evangelical. Mm-hmm. And that was influencing you as well. Right. And so, and so in that respect, like that is where I, you know, really got on fire for God and things like that. And all those different things that we would say. And, we would have uh, said that. Mm -hmm. And, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, I don't know. It, and if anyone has ever lived through that, it's really weird to be, you know, a teenager and going through all the different changes that teenagers go through and add religion to the mix. It's just such a messed up. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's so interesting because like, I moved at the same time you did, right? And that's a weird time to move, try to right. find your identity. Mm -hmm. um, also try to like, it, what does this religious thing mean? Try to separate yourself from your family in some ways, right? Like you're making healthy yeah. boundaries, but. <laughs> yeah. And just, just to sort of uh, sum up, the sort of the remain the remainder of the story that led to what I've been doing the last few years. Um, during that during that period, uh, you know, I I felt at the ripe old age of seventeen like a call to ministry. So that led me to choose to only look at Christian colleges. Uh, I went to Indiana Wesleyan University, um, and 
not really understanding the distinction between like the Wesleyan tradition being more conservative and the United Methodist tradition being more moderate or progressive, um, which led to some surprises. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like not, you know, like the fact that uh, chapel was required, sure, fine. But like no watching rated R movies, 12 midnight curfew um, for freshmen and sophomores if you didn't wow. get like a three- like you, you, if you were a freshman and you got three point hour higher, you didn't have to have a, a curfew sophomore year. Uh, all this wild uh, stuff. Um, what? And what I went to a Christian school and this is not my experience. We had a curfew for boys being in our apartments. Yeah. And that was were, it. Yeah. So, I mean, there was always, there were only certain days of the week that certain dorms were allowed to have people of the opposite sex in them. Um, you know four on the floor no yeah no rated r movies um four on the floor is four feet on the floor is that that's right yeah my i only know it Uh, as a drummer's term i've never heard it as like (laughs) like a like a if you're on a date four feet on the i mean that's actually not that helpful but that's fine (laughs) i can i would have found some workarounds yeah (laughs) i always don't but you always also had the had to have the door open um during and I never understood sign in you had to sign in who was coming to whose room oh it was, yeah I as a rebellious person tend to not be able to understand going to schools like that I mean because my schools I was already breaking every single fucking rule right like <laughs> student leaders weren't allowed to drink but where I work they didn't care so I drank whenever I wanted and I mm-hmm. but like I just don't how do you not break the rules, Blake? How do you not just take fuck everything? Uh, I, because did, I did tr- break the rules. Trying to be I mean, did, the one year that I didn't break the rules was the year that I was a floor chaplain, my sophomore year, which also coincided with like my first major crisis of faith. Uh, so, so the college experience was uh, like I was a history and Bible major going in. And the first full week of school was when 9-11 happened. And then there was this really, it was already a very conservative history department that taught like Christian reconstruction sort of things and dominionism. Um, And it just took an even harder turn to the right. And then I was also in these Bible classes and learning about Greek and, uh, and the person of Jesus and becoming more politically liberal. Mm. Uh, And so that was the real thing that led to that period of angsty uh young adult blake (laughs) (laughs) who's a chaplain Uh, i love it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean floor chaplain which is just like you were supposed to like lead uh devotions and stuff but what that ended up being i led like one uh one and then just sort of hung out (laughs) on my floor (laughs) the rest of the year um it was it was uh yeah it was it wasn't crazy uh, and a lot of people did break the rules. Like the thing about those rules is they turn everyone into a deviant. Right. Um, love it. I love me some deviants. Yeah. And, but like, they, it's just for being what a person like for, exactly. being, for yeah. being human. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it, that, that was not fun. Um, but I mean, I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't, I then decided not to go further and like pursue ministry I still remained interested in religion and studied it uh in grad school which I went to part-time while working um but eventually what led to me wanting to have these public conversations about things was seeing the sorts of things that that me and my wife uh who I met at the college uh and who has a, a similar uh religious background, that sort of thing. Um, the sorts of things that, that we went through, the, the ways in which we changed, the ways in which a lot of uh, our friends that we also knew really decided not to continue in that same tradition. And I wanted to understand why, like, what was it about, right. or at least, uh, you know, have conversations and, and discuss why we all left this particular type of movement um this type of faith community that has a major role to play in the way in which we were formed um and so that that was really the motivation and so uh i started the podcast 
uh, in like July of 2016. So almost five years. An interesting year to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, I studied like evangelical politics uh, and my thesis was about like uh, evangelical politics related to creation care and that sort of concern. Um, And I pegged, I I, um, tied the release of the podcast to the really the republican national convention um wow. so hell yeah uh, and, then, yes. <laughs> and then that uh then we all know what happened in november uh so do we know what happened sort of... <laughs> 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 uh so yeah so that and yeah the show uh has really just continually been about just talking to my guests primarily uh uh, about their own biographies and maybe any other work that has come out of it. Um, and it sort of follows a track of their life, where they came from, what led to them leaving evangelicalism and where they are now, if it's to really um, boil it down to like those sort of three, three part things. And so that's, that's where. I think uh, there's this, this like thing that I have found with your work and even like following stuff on Facebook and um, is this people need to hear that someone else has gone through it because um, to Josie's point, Josie doesn't like just her personality is like, yeah, you just leave. Like it's just done. I'm done. I never (laughs) wanted to follow the rules, but for some people it's like incredible grief and loss. And I think some of that um, Josie and I have talked on the show a lot is like, when you've gone through different kinds of trauma. So for Josie trauma with people leaving, it's like she created the narrative, like it's okay. But for some people, the like the, the loss is like, you like, you've gone through it. So you can imagine mm. what that's like on a, when it is tied to this. And I think hearing people's stories has allowed other people to go, Oh, wait a minute. I'm right. not outside of okay. And I think, um, so often when we were growing up, um, because I really tried to be evangelical. Like I really tried guys. Like I tried. (laughs) Bless your soul. (laughs) I went to an Avalon concert. Like I tried. Um, I had, you know, I tried. Um, and I, at some point we'll have to tell all the funny stories of like getting backstage at like a fish fest and being like, Oh, fish fest. (laughs) Yeah, my friend not, owns not that. Ph, not PH. Uh, my friend actually owns that touring company, but that was before I was dating. And it's a long and terrible story. But I remember being backstage and being like, there's like masseuses back here and I'm being hit on by Christian rock stars. This is weird. Um, Christian rock stars. Right. Um, and I listened to like punk rock stuff. So I wasn't actually that interested in them. But I, I had this like realization that um this world that I was so trust desperately trying to get into was as fabricated as other worlds right Mm -hmm. and I think we were taught if we're in that environment like don't leave this world because the other world like as if there's Mm -hmm. two the other world is dangerous you'll be alone you're, it's mm-hmm. a slippery slope. Like once you yeah. start with one little, you know, it's like an entrance drug. Like once you have one question, it's all done. Yeah, And I absolutely. mean, truthfully, that is kind of how it happened with me. I had one question and the spiral continued. But, and I think part of why it was so much easier for me to leave probably is because I was never truly even accepted into the evangelical mm. world because I came from mm. a Latin Pentecostal tradition. So I didn't know mm-hmm. all the cool little, little groups. I didn't know the Mark Driscoll's. I didn't know the the famous yeah. people, right? I only, right. the extent I had was Joel Osteen because he hit Latin America for whatever reason, <laughs> prosperity, but anyways. And so I think that's also another issue that sometimes isn't addressed is that like, sure, it was easy for me to say, well, fuck this, but I think it's a slower burn. There's a slower, oh, yeah, yeah. longer process of right. like, wait a minute that was really bad like I didn't I wasn't fully invested because I was never allowed to be right but that's like the whole hashtag evangelical is this idea of bringing all these narratives and stories together to understand like yeah you're not alone you're not crazy shit really did get wild yeah yeah and I think that's the that's the really interesting thing about these conversations being 
had publicly is that it allows for these like sort of patterns to emerge of like yeah a lot of people had these common experiences and then there are these really there are other distinct things relative to the nuance of someone's life like you being a latina like in these in these communities you are you experience a different type of experience like you you go through something differently and you feel Mm -hmm. othered in this way that like Mm -hmm. if if I felt out of place as a white guy like and (laughs) that and honestly like that's like that is it's made for people like me to succeed in air quotes Mm -hmm. you know it's it's made and that is what is so cool about the fact that like now over the last several years through things like like um exvan- like exvangelical even things uh, like church too uh, mm-hmm. and um more recently leave loud that uh the witness is doing about um the experience of black people in in predominantly white evangelical spaces like all of these things are being able to say those things out loud and say these things these things happened and it's not i'm you're not crazy like all those things and it's (laughs) it's establishing this sort of foundation of of information that's available to people that those power structures can't control you know they can't control the narrative anymore and it allows people to explore it and and find that validation that they might need yeah i think it's that beautiful um validation that they might need. I mean, that's exactly the, the, the truth is that whether you were standing outside of the thing, I mean, even as someone who moved from another country, like you always felt a little bit outside, but the truth is everyone felt a little bit outside unless the system really has been super great for them. But I've often found Mm -hmm. that the loudest about how great the system is are the ones who are like not doing great. Um, and I, I really have appreciated people who, again, go for story versus like, here's what's systematically wrong. Um, but story allows people to connect on a deep level because you can't negate, you can, people do, <laughs> but you really, someone's story is a story and you shouldn't negate a story or experience um, and holding space for that and making space for more people um, mm-hmm. to be able to say, oh, that was weird. I should, I never thought that was weird because everyone around me was experiencing that. And so it didn't seem that weird. And then you have one person be like, wait a minute, can we evaluate this for a second? Um, Right. And then everyone starts saying, wait a minute, I actually never felt part of that thing. Cause I think the lie that we can tell ourselves is that everyone else feels comfortable in this space. Mm -hmm. So it's me. The problem is me. I'm the common denominator. And what I, what I really I'm super excited about is that, you know, through things like Irreverent it, it'll, and all the other projects um, that are happening right now is that it allows people to even see themselves represented in the people telling the stories. Mm-hmm. Like y- you have your show here. You both have, you both have multiple shows actually. Oh, <laughs> it's so, true. It's true. So like, so like you can speak to things that I can't and, and same with you, Josie. And like, like you can and you can validate those things for other people that are coming from a similar perspective as you and like it can be additive it doesn't need to necessarily be exclusionary and that that is that to me is the is the thing that is um is really neat about uh about what we've seen over the last few years that's not to say that there aren't things to address that's not to say that that it's like you know, you can always remain open to critique uh, and all those different things, but but I, I'm still encouraged by it. <laughs> I think that's what's so powerful about our little friend group, Irreverent Media Group, mm-hmm. is that when we are alone in these solitary little podcast bubbles or individuals or whatever, it's really easy for the evangelical church to be like, oh, well, that's just that person. That's just them. That's just mm-hmm. this little tiny little thing. But when the narrative of well maybe the event like when we all get together and we all form these groups it's like oh well now they have to pay attention now they have to address the systems and their failures 
mm-hmm. because people are noticing and people are paying attention in a larger scale. Right. Yeah, exactly. And totally I wonder agree. too, if it is, um, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, especially right around 2016, 17, like um, there was that isolating feeling of like, oh, I don't, I don't even know if this narrative fits me anymore. And, and it's a little bit the similar situation where, you know, I've had faith shifts for sure. The Jesus mm. story is still super compelling to me and it seems super different than what I was witnessing or experiencing. And it felt so isolating in that I was like, wait a minute, you know, I've invested in this thing. Um, and this thing is ugly and, and destructive and harmful and not just to me, but to others. And what do I do around that? And so I think anytime voices can raise up. So it's not even just like trying to get the, the powers that be, but almost kind of say, all right, there's something, there's a way to connect with people that make space for their story. And we can sit right. in solidarity and not just be what we're against, but be what we're for. And I think that's the, um, I was talking to someone the other day and they said, my, I want my work to be generative. I want it to, right. instead of being something that just tears things apart. And even just if the generation is that we're helping people know and own their own stories, that's generative mm. and that's life-giving. And it's, it helps people move beyond just this anger that is totally appropriate. Um, but it's hard not to get stuck in, you know? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I mean, that is all of those things are to me, I'm, I, I think a, a lot of us are also sort of in this, in this for the, for the long haul. It's not, uh, a lot of the people that have been doing these types of things have been doing them for a long time. And even if the, even if the, the terminology in which they use to describe themselves or the, their work mm-hmm. changes, like, uh, things are, you know, evangelical outlets are starting to respond outright and whether that lasts or not, you know, whatever that, that is what it is. And, and whether, things stay in the spotlight or not um but a lot of these things don't they don't change overnight uh mm-hmm. you know there's not it may not be like an immediate sort of like toppling of toppling of institutions or anything like that but what all of these projects do is that they they are they are generative in someone's because you don't know the way in which your work might surface on someone's Instagram feed or mm-hmm. in their podcast feed. And like, and like we're sort of inundated with this media in a, in a way that um, it's really impactful. And, and that's why it's, it's so exciting to see people uh, explore those, explore those things and, and be vulnerable enough to do it publicly because that, should be acknowledged too. It's not always easy or fun or just Mm -hmm. dunking on dunking and making jokes on Twitter or something. And uh, I mean, there's a place for that. I do it all the time. Oh yeah, there it is. I was just going to (laughs) say, and you guys are good at it. My gosh, (laughs) you guys have me rolling. Like I, even like this week, the guy who released the thing that was like, most people who are leaving the church is because they want to sleep with someone the Bible tells them not to. And I was like, (laughs) I think people that's a that was a weird one for me because I was like everybody was having sex and they were still there like they didn't (laughs) leave they were just doing it yeah it's it is it is a an odd connection Uh, yeah what about the power tool guy what did he say the oh I want a a pastor who uses power tools and I'm like sweet I'm in dude I am your if you don't know how to use power tools you can't be a pastor apparently which is good news for me or a, and a chop saw, which was like the thing oh, with yeah. multiple multiple safety mechanisms built into it, like <laughs> so you can the easy so you one there, don't buddy. cut yourself and you yeah. don't you only cut in a straight line. It's like good yep. good one, good dude. Yeah, yeah I, think I don't think that metaphor works the way he wants it to. No, <laughs> I think there is this thing though that is. My mom was actually one of the first people that said this to me: is when you start like making space for other people, and when you start like highlighting things that make the world like the the idea of the church and the structures and the things like the people that are making a lot of money off of this thing in some ways when you start making the that hive mad what will happen is you start getting critiqued and like my mom I remember 
one of the first times I got trolled, um, probably about five years ago in like a, a pretty nasty way. My mom was just like, oh, congrats. And I was like, what mom? <laughs> she goes, it means that what you're saying matters. And I was like, yeah, huh, I never thought <laughs> of it that way. She's like, yeah, if, if people are, um, up in arms, it's causing them to think about, and you never know. And it's been so fascinating. Sometimes the people that I've been most vocally um, opposed are the people who come back later and go, remember that thing you were saying that I got really upset about? Can we like talk about that? Um, and you don't, you <laughs> yeah. don't realize it. And so it's like, you almost just have to let the work be the work and um, yeah, yeah. get out of the way. Right. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, like, thank you so much for chatting with us. I, I just, I really do appreciate all your work. I also love just getting to know you over the um, last while. It has been so fun that like when you say, I'm just really excited and you're like mellow, it is the best. It's like, it reminds me of my brother <laughs> who is an engineer and is one of the best people ever, but he'll be like, wow, that's great. And you're like, so that's what I was waiting for. That is your level of excitement. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty even keel when I, you know, when I'm talking on a, on a podcast, uh, like if you do want to see me be a goof or whatever, that's usually reserved for my, my family or my Twitter account. So like, yes, I will be ridiculous and make terrible dad jokes on Twitter. So oh, they're so worth there. it though. They're if so you, worth if you it. Want. But, and I, I appreciate um, I appreciate what you've said and I'm, I am genuinely excited and I, uh, and I'm, I also just really appreciate getting to know both you, Sarah and you, Josie, uh, through, you know, uh, starting this, this whole, uh, IMG thing together. And IMG. I'm just, I'm just, uh, thrilled to, uh, to be able to do a lot of this work as a, as a larger group, um, it's just it's just really really exciting and i'm uh really excited <laughs> yes <laughs> about uh just about what's ahead so <laughs> thanks for having Blaming me on your the show world, everybody. i'm glad that and you're we on. will and we will uh we we will certainly i'll return the favor and i'll have you both on um, that'll be fun Wow. Soon, so. <laughs> um, Blake, question for you. If you think about yeah. like one thing that someone can do today that's, um, you know, approachable, doable, what is a way that someone can make space in a tangible way for other people or themselves? Um, I, I, I would probably go back to what, what you said, um, about story. Mm. Uh, and I would say just, just be, be curious about someone else's story uh, and don't be dismissive of it. Um, and I, there's, there's all sorts of ways in which, um, ways in which that society sort of primes us to be dismissive, uh, especially, especially the way in which uh, certain things like white evangelicalism, uh, they, they expect you to have a particular type of reaction or, and that sort of thing and um it's often for for someone that might be that might have some level of privilege they sometimes if they come from a conservative place there's this like knee-jerk dismissiveness um and i would rather i would just caution people to and advise people to be curious about someone's story and why they're telling it that way and just ask those follow-up questions um because that's that's where that's where you actually learn about people, um, mm -hmm. and that's where you make space for someone to reveal something else about themselves. Um, because even though we share a lot online, it's uh, sharing with someone else is is a vulnerable thing. And by being curious without being judgmental you you are making space for them to share that with you. I think that's the the beauty and the gift of having this space to be able to ask people questions. We interviewed two of my best friends and I'm talking like 16 years of two of my best friends and mm -hmm. I discovered things about them just by getting curious about them in a different way. Um mm -hmm. and I think there was something you said in that that I think is really important is get curious about why certain stories cause a knee-jerk reaction. Um, I think there's there's an opportunity 
um, to learn about ourselves. Like, why, why don't I like hearing their, what, what is it about their story that I immediately want to go to the ending? And I think I know where it goes. Um, mm. Because we often learn that there's something inside of us that the story might make us fearful. It might make us like, what is the thing behind the thing? Um, so just right. getting curious about someone else. And then you're curious about your own reactions and mm -hmm. realizing that um, stories have so much power um, mm -hmm. and are incredible ways to just get to know yourself and others super well, which is the only way we're ever going to move past this like false idea that there's two sides to, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um so Blake, thank you for joining us. Where can folks find you? I know we've talked a little bit about the work that you've done, but what are some things that ways that you feel like folks could find you or connect with you? Sure. Um, links to all my different projects are at um, my website, blakechastain.com. If you are a Twitter person, um, you can follow me on Twitter at brchastain. Um, you can follow uh, my writing, I, I, because all of my ideas begin as puns, uh, I have a newsletter called the Post Evangelical Post, um, <laughs> Love it. which <clears throat> can be found at postevangelicalpost.com, um, and you can find Exvangelical and Powers and Principalities wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, I think that's it. I, yeah, if you you can also follow the uh, podcast on Instagram at exvangelicalpod, same handle on Twitter as well. I feel like we are missing out on an opportunity to have merch that just has a bunch of puns because I love a pun. <laughs> like I love a pun to the point of like, like I'm not a dad, but I love a dad pun. Like I follow oh, yeah. a lot of Instagram accounts that are dad <laughs> jokes and they, yes. and they make me laugh like embarrassingly. And luckily my brother and his best friend let me send them those <laughs> so that I have someone to process my yeah. stupid humor with. Because I'm yeah. also like... Oh, I'm an intellectual <laughs> fart joke, you know, like this <laughs> is like a little bit like shocking when I think it's funny. So yeah. um, I'm no. glad you're in that boat with me. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, and we we do need to work on our merch game because uh, Josie designed a great logo that I think a lot of people would love and mm -hmm. got to to different merch experts uh and kevin and uh the drck guys oh so. for sure i'm even yep. thinking like for pastors we could have e irreverent come on, Ooh, come on. we're ready we're ready march store coming at you soon yes there we go okay Don't josie where can folks find us as we wrap this up well, you can find the Making Spaces podcast at makingspacespodcast.com. You can find us on Instagram at makingspacespodcast. You can find Sarah at Rev Sarah Heath on Instagram and probably everywhere else. And everywhere you else. Find, yep. You can find me at Josie Takes the World. And follow us all on Twitter. We're great. I, in my personal opinion. I mean, and as always, the Irreverent Media Group. Irreverent.fm. I love it. All right. So uh, we'll see you next week where we will be saving a space for you. Bye. Bye. This has been an irreverent media podcast.